This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. The Bastards are back for this Tuesday edition of the podcast. We are part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners out there, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Charlie Smith coming to you live from Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, Joining me tonight, we have the wonderful Joe Goddard coming to you from our nation's capital by way of the lovely Newport, Rhode Island. Joe, how are you? I'm doing okay, Charlie. How are you? You know, <laughs> doing okay. I'm doing a lot better than, uh, let's say, some of the Yankees fans right now that are probably never going to be able to go to another Major League Baseball game again. That That is a good thing to be doing better than because that is a punishment worse than death, my friend. I know. Can you imagine that? Joe, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at J-O-B-M-L-B. Do not take job applications. And I will make that joke every single episode. Don't ever change, Job. Don't ever do it. Don't plan on it. Uh, for those that are listening, Smith underscore MLB. That's how you can find me. Also joining us, the one, the only, Terry Cushman in lovely Myrtle Beach by way of Wyndham, Maine. Terry, how are you, sir? Ready for some hot takes. Looks like there was a lot of participation this week, so it's... Uh... It's a growingly popular episode. We we did have uh, quite a few, so we're gonna start off with uh, with one of them. We've we've touched up on this topic rather, I feel like rather recently. So we'll, we'll kind of go pretty quickly, probably through this one. Dalvik turns it around and hits thirty five dingers. Job, not gonna happen. Uh, absolutely, I'm I'm selling on that. Bobby Dahlbeck will hit 12 dingers. He will strike out 200 times. And he will go the the Will Middlebrooks route. Somebody else will take him, play him for half a season. And then we'll never hear from him again until he surfaces as a candidate for a television job somewhere down the line. Okay. Terry? I'm not too far off from where Job is with his response. There's one thing I'm still clinging to here uh, with Dahlbeck. I know he did have three strikeouts in the finale against the Rays, but overall his strikeouts are down compared to 2021. So if he can continue that trend of fewer strikeouts, but find a way to get the ball in play, maybe he can salvage it. And then when Casas comes up, they can find some other type of role for him. I think that's a long shot at this point. 
but he did hit a triple in game two. Let's not forget. Uh, hard to forget when that's the only thing you did, right? And and I'm I'm the resident Michael Chavis guy. Chavis didn't have a great series, but Chavis is still running circles around Bobby Dalbeck, and it's not even close. Uh, Bobby D, I do not see ever in his career hitting 35 home runs, uh, and I'll be happy to say I was wrong as long as he's a Red Sox uh, player. Otherwise, I could care less, but I don't see it happening. Going into our second topic, we have four starters who are not Major League material. Job? I don't think that's true. I think we have four, maybe five starters that are Major League material. I think two of them are on the injured list at the moment. So I'm selling that. I don't agree with that. I think the issue is much deeper than the starting pitching. And people like to blame pitching because all the names that you wear on the back of your jersey are offensive players. But right now, that's where the fault lies and not with the pitching staff. Terry? I have to also disagree with the with the uh follower that gave that take because i mean they've all been solid rich hill is arguably the weakest link in this rotation and he's still never been shelled one time so far we've had a chance to win all of his starts so i don't think starting pitching is is the biggest area of concern right now that's and that's fair. Uh, that one actually came to us from uh, Love Sports, and the first one came from Connor Craig, uh, CD Craig twenty nine. Um, I'm going to agree with both of you, gentlemen. I I definitely think that we have uh, starters that are major league material. I don't think it's four that are not. I think some of them are just struggling, and we have some, as Job had uh, mentioned earlier, are just on the IL at the present moment. So um, time will tell what could happen. This is coming from Er Johnson one Eric the J. Trade for Joey Votto. Please, God, trade for Joey Votto. Joey Votto's not going anywhere. His contract dictates that he's not going anywhere, even if the Reds wanted to move him. He's got $45 million left over the next two seasons on that contract, so the Reds couldn't move him if they wanted to. And I don't think that uh, he would agree to a trade, even though the Reds are terrible and are going to win under 70 games this year. He has 10-10 rights. He has a full no trade, is what that means. He's been with the organization for 10 years, in the league for 10 years. He's going to retire as a Red. That's uh, not a trade that's on the table. But I would love Joey Votto's bat in the middle of this order. Terry? It's actually 10-5, right? So in the league for 10 years uh, with your current team for the last five. Any any player that meets that criteria uh, can veto any con- any trade that they want the one player on the Red Sox who has that right now is Xander Bogarts. And he got his a little bit earlier because of his contract, but essentially uh, the same thing. But I love Joey Votto. And if he would be willing to waive those 10, five rights to, to come to the Red Sox, he's my favorite position player and of the last decade that that hasn't been on the Red Sox. Like if I'm going to buy a Jersey, it's going to be a Joey Votto Jersey for pitchers. As I've said recently, it's Justin Verlander, my favorite, you know, non Red Sox pitcher ever. 
this is a mind-blowing Joey Votto stat. 2017, he was runner-up to Giancarlo Stanton, who went nuts that year with home runs. And he was still, that was his final year in Miami uh, for Stanton. And then he got traded to New York that winter. But Joey Votto played all 161 games, reached base safely in 154 of those games, either drew a hit or a walk. Finished runner-up to Stanton. I think Votto got screwed. I think he was the MVP that year. Um, so I would love to see him, uh, you know, as a member of the Red Sox. And there was an ESPN article right around that time that said he was the Ted Williams of our generation. So would love to see it. The amount of money is what scares me, and that's kind of where I'm kind of you know, I, I love Joey Votto about five years ago. Uh, Joey Votto really hasn't been relevant for the last couple of years. Um, 2021 was a statistical anomaly because the three, four years before that just wasn't getting anything done. So he did hit 36 home runs last year, but he had a combined 38 home runs all three years before that. And so far this year, he's had eight hits and 52 at-bats, only one for extra bases. He's hitting 154, folks. 52 at-bats, 22 strikeouts. It's not looking good. He's looking very old. So, unfortunately, I would pass on Joey Votto. Even even if they were to get Joey Votto of, of three years ago, there's no room for him on this team. Agreed. There's, there, there unfortunately, no space. Well, there is until Casas comes up. and then Tristan Casas is coming. You have and... to get creative. But there would be room for Joey Votto next year if you don't, if you don't bring back J.D., you, you've got, I, you've got I a short-term solution. I mentioned it, but uh, unfortunately, I don't think that there's a path to that happening, especially not with his current numbers, as Charlie pointed out. It's, it's a hypothetical for sure, but I'll entertain it all day long. <laughs> this is going to be fun. So we're going to go multilingual on this one. So this is from Anti-Hero. Uh, this is coming. All right, so this is. El pitcher no sirve al batio es un asco. Mal arranque de temporada, period. So what he's saying, or she is saying, uh, is pitching is not good. Uh, the batting is is horrible. It's not been a really good start to the season, period. Which I think we kind of understood. Like, we knew that was going to be happening. My apologies if I'm not 100% on the Spanish. Um but I'm pretty sure that's what we're saying here. So we're saying pitching's not really working. Batting hasn't been good. It's been a bad start, uh, period. You know, that's it. Uh, Joe? Well, I don't think this is a hot take, right? I think this is an observation that 100% makes sense. The one thing that I, I don't know that I agree with is that I think the pitching's been pretty good. I mean, name me a game so far this season that the pitching has actually lost to the game. You You really can't. I mean, they almost lost to the Detroit game, nine to seven. I mean, that was a, a nail biter. But the offense is squarely in the middle of all the problems so far this year. We're almost at the end of April here, and uh, so far the pitching looks pretty, pretty damn good. Anti-hero who gave that take is uh, his first name is actually Alvaro, and he's our graphics guy. <laughs> so probably should have told you that. Um, He's done a lot of our graphics. He actually designed the Bastards of Boston t-shirts that uh, 
us where that should go finally on sale this week um, for anyone interested uh, at bastardsofboston.com. Uh, uh, but yeah, so I, I agree with Job though. Hasn't been pitching. Make that three because it's been the hitting that's looked lethargic and the pitching that we're still trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Uh, the, the pitching, excuse me, the pitching we know it's we, we're much more comfortable with. It's the hitting that we just we need to figure out like what to do. Uh, moving on. You hate Xander, but we all love him. That's coming from 20-piece chicken McNuggets. Joe? No one on this show hates Xander Bogarts, I promise you. We all want Xander Bogarts to succeed. There are people on this show who would rather see Xander Bogarts walk than get a monster contract. Does not mean we hate Xander Bogarts. We all love Xander Bogarts. We know what he brings to the table. We just, there are some of us, and I'm not one of these people, um, who who want him to, to walk away rather than get the massive contract. There are also some of us, I think, uh, and I count myself among these people on the show and, and in Red Sox Nation who want all that money to go to Rafael Devers. And that's that's where I stand. I think Rafael Devers is the future. And uh, Xander Bogarts probably needs to move to second base. I'm one of the people that doesn't care to have Xander back next year because like Job said, I don't want to pay the massive haul he's going to command. But like Job said, that doesn't mean I hate Xander Bogarts. I hope he's a stud this year. I hope he is top five MVP. And unlike all the other years has a strong second half. And unlike any postseason he's ever had, I hope he finally has a good one because he never really has uh, previously. So um, that's kind of where I am on Bogarts. Um, as far as the the listener that submitted that, I I think he's expressing frustration at the fact that we are a little bit more candid than any other podcast because it's easy to misconstrue us not wanting Xander back despite the money uh, as we're hating on him because that's not the case. We're just, we're telling it like it is. And that's the circle of life. You, you got to move on from some guys sometimes. And, and that part of our infield is, is a position of depth that we have long-term with a couple of stud prospects we have that'll be ready in the next year or two. Agreed. I would never wish any ill will towards Xander Bogarts. I, I will say that professionally, I understand that this is a business and players are going to look at it one way. Owners and fans are going to look at completely different ways as well. Um, I wish him nothing but the best, but understand full well that the money that we have needs to be allocated in a different manner. And unfortunately, that's not to Xander. Uh, Joe, you want to finish it up? Yeah, I think Terry covered one thing that I want to just emphasize a little bit, and that's that we are going to be critical and we're going to be savagely blunt. <laughs> about not just the way that things are going, but the future and, and what we expect. We're going to give it to you straight. That's what we promise on this show. Uh, we also promise to not be homers. We're not going to tell you that every move Heim Bloom makes is golden. And I think one of the things that other shows won't tell you is that 
we don't necessarily need Xander Bogarts back next year. This team does have that positional depth, but people have a crisis of confidence, and they like familiarity. Agreed. Uh, our next take, thank you, Joe, for finishing that up. Our next take is coming from Nate Dog 34 If they're 10 games under 500 in July, J.D. and Xander Bogarts are traded. Joe? I agree with that. I don't think that's necessarily a hot take. Uh, I would buy that. I do want to emphasize this to the listeners because a lot of listeners seem to have a disproportionate view of the value of J.D. Martinez. His contract is it's a big contract. And if J.D. is not hitting at midseason 280 with... 22 to 26 bombs there's a very real chance that in order to move his contract you need to lose a prospect or two and then in that case what's the point right you're not about moving a one-year contract what you want to do is get a piece back Xander Bogarts however I think is most definitely gone at midseason should they be 10 games below 500 well, he would have to waive his ten five rights, though. I th- I think he would if somebody was to give him, you know, wink nudge. Here's a big deal, right? And and that's why he has Scott Boris as his agent. Scott Boris, whether he's allowed to or not, is talking to everybody. I'm just I'm just giving it to you straight. He controls so much of what happens across the league. It's it's actually unhealthy for the competition of the sport. What it is healthy for is Xander Bogarts. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a competitor comes in and says, hey, we'll give you the $340 million that you want. We'll let you play shortstop, but we want you right now instead of in the offseason. And the Red Sox give him up knowing that they're not going to pay him in the offseason. And they get a couple of prospects in return. That That is a very viable scenario i mean just recently in the offseason we had matt olson get traded to atlanta an extension was announced within 48 hours we saw it the winter before with francisco lindor it took a, a week or two i think for his extension to play out but i think you would see scott boris working the phones trying to find a, a long-term suitor and I think if a team knew that they were going to be able to sign him and that Xander was willing to sign long-term with whatever team that was being traded to, I don't think that team would mind at all giving up a couple of decent prospects, you know, at least a maybe a top 10 guy and another lower top 20 guy, and maybe more. I, I mean, sometimes the, the prices at the trade deadline can be astronomical, as we saw last uh, summer with with a lot of those moves. I mean, the Phillies paid a a huge price for I think uh, who was it Ian Kennedy from Texas. Just uh, absolutely absurd. So that is a scenario. I just I still hate to think about us not being competitive though. <laughs> so I'll leave it at that, Charlie. Yeah, no, I um I think that JD will end up staying if he ends up going. It's going to be we'd have to shell out money to we'd have to eat up a major part of that contract uh, more than half for someone to take that on. If he's not doing great work, if he's doing great work, then obviously the contract will speak for itself and someone will probably take the rest of the money. Sander Bogarts, I think will end up playing in another uniform. 
this year. So I think that that's half right. I think that Xander Bogarts will be gone. Uh, as sad as that is, um, I, I just think because of the amount of time, he's still got a couple years left. His contract, I think, runs out in 25. Uh, JD runs out this year. So I think that'll be, um, that'll be an interesting shot. Um, next, we have Davin Reese. The Red Sox need to pump the brakes on Diekman. They're treating him like a lights-out player because of his effort in the Yankee game, third game. He needs to not see so many high-leverage innings, sixth, seventh inning, yes. Eighth, ninth in closed games, no. Well, who's going to take those innings? That's, Bingo. That's what I would say. Yep. I don't know if, if the two of you gentlemen agree with this, but I mentioned it in our last show, uh, the show that came out on Monday morning, for those of you listening to the Hot Take Tuesday episode. I really think this bullpen is just one arm short. I don't think that that means that we won't see a, a move here for a bullpen piece. What I do think it means is that you're going to get guys like Diekman in out of their depth. It's it's not his fault. He's actually performed, and as has most of the staff, very well. I understand it's it's much easier to blame pitching than it is to blame offense when the team struggles. People just have a, a much easier time blaming pitching for a loss than they do offense. I don't know why it just happens. Blame the offense. It gets harder to piece together those last three innings if you're going to start counting on Garrett Whitlock as a starter because now you're if you're taking Diekman out, you already don't have Whitlock. So it, it does become tougher. Matt Strom has looked good. Hansel Robles looks pretty good despite the blip he had. We're trying to figure out who Tyler Danish is. Uh, he was claimed off of waivers a couple weeks ago. Cutter Crawford, I think, is going to be still slated to be a multi-inning guy. But we've got some bodies in there that, that can still give you quality innings. So the one thing I will say about Diekman is I want to see clean innings for him. I don't want to see a guy who has a hard time not walking people coming in with runners already on base because he'll end up walking them loaded at that point, depending on how many runners were already on before he came in. So he, he's a guy who has struggled with command. The walks have been an issue previously. I think his walk per nine rate was like four or five last year, which is pretty high. So we'll, we'll see, but uh, at the very least, give him, give him a clean inning with nobody on base. Yeah. I, I, I think it's still really too early to tell uh, with Deke. And, and I like, I, I really like him where he is right now. Um, we have to be diplomatic, you know. It's still so early. We we've just played 16 games. Um, I think there are other issues, and Diekman is not one of them that we need to talk about. Joe had mentioned that we need to get another arm in there. Uh, I like where Diekman is right now. He's been able to do some really good work, and yes, I do think that people were really really impressed when he struck out the side, and he had the mentality of "I'll do whatever. I don't care. Whatever. It doesn't matter." So uh, I I like that. And uh, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, Tugitov, one. There's no valid reason that Brazier has been on staff for so many years. Ludicrous. Well, I think homegrown guys are usually given one more 
shot than guys you bring in from elsewhere. That's always been the case. Brazier has shown flashes of brilliance. They haven't come of late, uh, but think Brandon Workman, right? Flashes of brilliance. And we don't have necessarily a guy that can be dominant. And when that's the case, and you don't have a lights-out 7th, 8th, ninth inning guy, besides Whitlock, who, as we already mentioned in this episode, looks like he might end up needing to be a starter, then you need to rely on guys like Brazier. You, you're going to need those guys that should probably be pitching in the sixth inning, pitching in the seventh, eighth, or ninth innings because of the fact that you're not getting enough quality innings elsewhere, and it's unfortunate. It's just kind of the way that the, the cookie crumbles at this point if you don't get another arm. It all comes back to that. You need one more guy you can count on, and right now we're a little heavy on guys that's, that suck, and we're not heavy on guys that can give you – a one, two, three, ninth against, you know, Vlad Guerrero, Chapman, and uh, whoever else is hitting that order, Telez. You know, it's tough. Brazier has been one of those guys we have all had a love-hate relationship with over the years. You know, he's had his struggles, but then he can go on a run where he ends up being one of the more solid guys in your pen. But the velocity is a factor now he's topping out around 93 as we discussed on the last show and bloom's gonna have some tough decisions to make austin davis could be an odd man out and he's got no options left and he had that one bad outing he gave up three or four runs it was terrible he's had a a few good appearances since then era's back down to 386 so if it comes down to it and you you want a guy like Austin Davis, who's one of the many lefties that we have this year, uh, Brazier's spot on the roster could suddenly be in jeopardy. One more thing about spot being in jeopardy. There's a guy in AAA that looks pretty damn good. He's a lefty. Darwin's in. He might need that spot. True as well. Yep. Uh, you know, you guys already, you know, going third, I'm starting to feel what Terry feels when two people have already spoken beforehand. You guys already mentioned all the points. This is this is someone who's been with us for the past couple of years. He's had some high moments and some low moments and everything in between. He's had some major life events happen. The Red Sox have stood behind him. Uh, it may be a conversation that we'd have to have a little bit more diplomatically. The Red Sox, unfortunately, do not have a, a great track record of handling situations of uh, importance uh, very well. I, f- I feel this is going to be a little bit different, but I think that Brazier is going to recognize that he just doesn't have the same juice in the tank as he once did. So I understand where you're coming from, uh, Tugitov. Thank you, one uh, Tugitov. One, um, thank you for your take on that. Uh, next one we have here: Ryan Linney. Bobby starts. Slugging when Casas comes up. Here we go again. Joe? Well, the hopes and dreams of the Red Sox offense cannot rely on Tristan Casas. Where I'm going to go with that is a rookie can't be the leader in your clubhouse, 
rookie has never carried an offense to a World Series in his first season unless he's coming into an already stacked team. People talk about Jeter. Oh, Jeter, Jeter won a World Series in his rookie year. That Yankees team was absolutely stacked. That is not an apt comparison to this team that we currently have in 2022. And Tristan Casas is not the next coming of Jesus. He's a baseball player. He's a great baseball player, as far as we uh, we know and we hope. But to put that kind of pressure on a rookie is unfortunately how guys burn out, flame out, and don't last for a long time in the major leagues. Remember last season when Jaron Duran was going to come up and, and save the Red Sox? How'd that work out? Well, I mean, those are two different animals. I mean, Tristan Casas is a highly celebrated prospect. But if anyone's wondering right now, he is off to a hot start in AAA. In 61 at-bats, he's got 16 hits, four home runs, driven in 12. Average sits at 262 with a 395 OBP and a 903 OPS. So he, he's got a little bit more cooking to do down there. You know, it's not ready to kind of, you know, pull him out yet and throw him into the uh, shark tank. But but last year, whenever Chavis was called up, Dahlbeck magically got his act together and went on a tear and is is what it is so maybe uh maybe that'll happen again but that just means you got bobby Dahlbeck hitting and tristan costas hitting and maybe maybe that gets the offense going but i think we're about a month away from costas be interesting i'm I'm curious to see what's gonna happen with costas but i mean I, I was you know i knew full well we're gonna be talking about the chavis effect michael chavis comes uh comes into play and then bobby Dahlbeck finds himself and then uh Chavis goes away, and then Dalbit goes back to being, you know, not lazy, just not really on it. And um, I don't think he's going to do the same thing again this time around. I think Bobby Dalbit unfortunately ends up finding himself as a part of a, a trade. Uh, he he might be someone that you know that like a like a CJ Crone esque guy, someone who can bang twenty. Give plus. me CJ Crone. We talked about that last season. The you know, most CJ, underappreciated guy in, in Major League Baseball. I, I, I'm with you, man. Like, I've been about CJ Crone since he was out in L.A., and I, you know, wanted to get him in fantasy. You know, this is that, that this is the type of guy who can maybe be a, a good bench spot, but as a starter regular, Dalbeck isn't it. Um, next one we got right here, uh, Rick Hughes. Bush fixes Pavetta, and he goes on a run of at least 15 scoreless. I'd love to see it. Joe? I don't think that's out of the question. Uh, I mean, Nick Pavetta is a guy that we think could take a step forward. A lot of people were talking about Nick Pavetta becoming a two, a true number two starter in a rotation. I don't think any of us on the show were that high on Nick Pavetta. That being said, he's much better than he's shown in the last couple of outings. He's gotten rocked, no doubt about it. There's something... That's going on with his delivery. He might be tipping pitches. His mechanics are out of whack. That will get fixed at some point, and he will rip off uh, two or three fantastic starts in a row. We saw it in brief flashes last year. 
it wouldn't surprise me either because that's who Nick Pavetta is. You know, he'll he'll string together some good ones and then he'll completely forget how to pitch, forget that he is a pitcher, and it's just a vicious roller coaster ride with him. But I hope he's right. I I hope that Pavetta ends up finding himself sooner rather than later. Uh this is a this is another guy like similar to Brazier, different like different position, but he's had moments where he's found himself and he's had other moments where Things just have not gone according to plan. But I'd really love to see Nick Pavetta finish up with, you know, 150, 160 strikeouts, 10-plus wins, and maybe Bush can get it done. Because right now, it's not looking pretty, and we really need to see it turn around. Um, we've got time for one or two more. Um, Whitlock's emergence opens the door to trading Chris Sale. That's coming from Nikki underscore numbers. No, no, it doesn't. Um, you need Chris Sale. And even if you didn't need Chris Sale, you can't trade Chris Sale's contract. And beyond that, he's got a no trade clause. So <laughs> it's, a it's tough, not happening. Yeah, it's a tough situation. But uh, last one uh, that we, we have here. Uh, I'm going to finish this up with Joey over here. Joe Sox fan, Joey Red Sox will finish may below 500, which we all said, uh, but we'll turn on the jets and thrive field by the return of Paxton and sale. We'll make a deep postseason run similar to last year. I love the optimism, Joe. I hope you're right. And I'm wrong. Uh, none of us that are here on this show, pick the Red Sox to make the playoffs unless I'm mistaken. And, Oh no, Jason did with 94 wins, and I think Andrew. Oh no, 90. you're absolutely correct. Jason did, um, but the three of us on this show here right now. Oh, oh correct. Yeah, we went three and zero. The Red Sox will not make the playoffs. So Joey, I hope you're right, and the three of us are morons, and you're <laughs> leaving comments on all of our stuff talking about how we don't know baseball in October. But no, no, they won't make a, do- a deep postseason run. No, the return of Chris Sale is not what they told you it was last year. It's not what they're going to tell you it is this year. He is no longer the ace uh, that we gave a big contract to, that we hitched our wagon to. And James Paxton is two years past his prime. I mean, we discussed James Paxton to the Red Sox before he went to the Yankees two, three years ago. And I was all on board because James Paxton, the first time through with Seattle, absolute beast, dominant. He's not that guy anymore. Uh, neither of those guys is going to be the savior of your season, even though that's what Heim Bloom wants you to think. I think Paxton, at the very least, has a higher ceiling than what Sale has at the at this point. So um, I, I wouldn't be shocked to, to see him have much better numbers, but if we're behind, at, you know, by the end of May, 
the thing that most people should be concerned about, and people are going to be upset with me pointing this out, but again, I'll, I'll remind you all once again, we're not homers here. We tell it like it is. And the Red Sox have never had in the World Series era a resurgence in the second half of the season to, to rally their way in. They either got in by a long shot or they, they kind of limped in that we've seen in recent years, much like last year. We did everything we could do to blow it in August and September, but we we just got in by the skin of our teeth. And if you remember back to 2017, there were scenarios in that last week where we, we might have been a wild card team because the Yankees were on us and we were running out of gas. And we only did win one playoff game against the Astros that year. So... Um, haven't really been a second half team and there's not a lot about the construction of our offense at the very least. None of us are worried about pitching, but with the offense, there's not a lot here to suggest that, that they're going to be this robust offense and, and keep up with the Toronto's and, and even the Yankees of the division right now. So, um, I, I gotta disagree with the, with the listener, but uh, again, we hope he's right. Yeah, agreed. I, I, I don't know if, if we're going to have enough firepower because this team offensively is still one big bat away. And some of the big bats that we had last year uh, still haven't all come back to fruition. Uh, our pitching staff is still not at 100%. We still don't have Chris Sale right now. We didn't have Chris Sale last year at this time of the year. Um, Pavetta hasn't really found his way. Garrett Woodlock's pitching out of his mind but we don't have the same team that we did last year. Uh, Trevor story is also starting off a little slow. It would take an act of God. I would love to be wrong on this because none of the hosts on this show picked the Red Sox or the Yankees to make the playoffs. We were the only three with that scenario. Um, but happily, I will be jumping for joy if I'm wrong. Uh, that being said, uh, Terry and Joe, I want to thank you both for being on the show tonight. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure for the listeners. Thank you. And we will look forward to having you guys communicate with us some more real, real soon. Everyone take care.